0: Welcome to episode 46 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name is Anne Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. I have a great interview today with Mandy Irby, who is someone that I think that you should know if you are in the space of women's health and also um, in the space of nursing and entrepreneurship, because Mandy has a really unique approach and a business that is making waves and changes uh, in women's health. Mandy is a nurse, a parent, she's an educator, she's a multi-passionate entrepreneur, and she is on a mission to make human rights and autonomy the center of birth culture through education, coaching, and consulting, and um, she was a joy to talk to, and I met her, um, because I think we connected on LinkedIn and I reached out to her and she really is a uh, an example of what's possible when you start to think about what you could do and the ways in which you could create impact despite feeling like you are in a place where you have no autonomy and you don't have the opportunity to do it. So I hope you will enjoy this conversation. I would encourage you to grab a cup of coffee and put this one on and listen to it. Mandy and I dive deep into uh, some of the issues that plague the uh, birthing community, the reasons why it is not only unsafe uh, for many women to come into our traditional healthcare models, but also uh, why it's harmful. So, and and we really dive into it. So, and and also talk through entrepreneurship and living the good life and things that we usually talk about on this podcast. So, so I hope you will enjoy it. And uh, here, without further delay, here's Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Hi, guys. Okay, this is a good one today. So. um Mandy, thank you for coming on to the podcast. I think that what you're doing is amazing. And I wanted to, I invited you on because I wanted to introduce um, you to the people who listen to Nurses Living the Good Life, because I think what you're doing is an example of what's possible when you start to think about how you can take what you love and take what you know And then use it to your advantage and go out and create something that works for you. And so, and that, that, it sounds like to me what you're doing. So I would love to thank you for being here first and foremost. And then I would love if you would start by just introducing yourself and tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Thanks, Anne. I'm really excited to be here. And we just uh, spoke the other day in my car. (laughs) (laughs) But I've listened to your podcast and I really, really love how pro-nurse living the good life um, is, nurses living the good life. I am Mandy Irby and I am the founder owner of The Birth Nurse, which is an online um, parent and educational company, enterprise. In fact, we have a a couple companies underneath The Birth Nurse and I began this company and project in 2017 while I was at the bedside. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and I worked at the bedside for 12 years right out of school. And I did what we're told in nursing school not to do, and I quit my med-surg job. I was going to do a women's health med surge position, and I accepted it and quit it before I worked there. I called the recruiter crying. I've made a terrible decision. I love OB. I'm never going to love this. <laughs> all those things that they say, get your skills. I just want OB skills. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And never regretted it at all, in the least. So, yeah, I worked at the bedside and I was young. I mean, I had just graduated college. I was what, 21, 22. My brain was still developing. We know that because we learned childhood development. And it really makes sense. Now I'm in my thirties and what I was taught and how I was brought up within nursing school, the healthcare system, the medical model of business, it all makes sense. Well, how I knew deep down at the very beginning, when I was that first year on labor and delivery, I, I would lose my car in the parking lot Hmm. and like the did you ever do that oh yeah you're just learning so much yeah and like the time is weird and you're I was nervous to go in and the days are so long and then I would not I had a I mean it was back in 20 Two, not twenty. Two. Back when we said the years were two thousand mm-hmm. and eight, two thousand nine. I couldn't find my car. It didn't have a clicker. It was like a nineteen ninety six Camry, and I would just be wandering around <laughs> the parking garage, looking. <laughs> I could. It no. wouldn't talk back. I was just like my key. My friends would see me. Are you all right? Click your clicker. I'm like it's a ninety six. So I said, people would say, "How is it?" I said, "I love my job." I love this. I love parts of it so, so much, but I will not, this is not a permanent position. People are not meant to do this type of work forever. This will kill you. And I would say those words and I didn't really know what part of the work was so toxic and so harmful, but I knew that there were parts that I was not meant to be part of for long term. Okay,
0: wait, give me an example
1: misogyny mm-hmm. the sexism the misogyny the 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 mistreatment that i knew in my core was this is this is not right this is not healthy this is not the trans transformative like the care that we were providing the language that was used with birthing folks did not match the magical powerful transformation that was going on with birth with that person the insides and the physical and the spiritual it did not match there was yelling there was um, demanding that birthing folks would do things that made the professionals made their work easier made it go faster um i just felt that was that that must be that must be that one person that must just be here that that happens, right? These policies just must be outdated. That guy is just an old OB. He's been doing it forever. I thought maybe that's what's going on.
0: When did you, when was your first uh, sense of like, it's not just one old, old timer OB? Um, When was my
1: sense It was disheartening. It was disheartening when I was alone in a room because we work, you know, we work in big teams, but we're so isolated. I would be alone in a room and the family or my patient would ask me something and I didn't have any answer for them. I didn't know any answer. I was never um, modeled another answer besides the coercion that I had heard. And the like, the manipulation of, well, this is our policy or this, you know, I can't, I can't give you food. Uh, And then I didn't really know why. I was like, I just can't. We just don't do that. And that's just not, that's just not me. Like, I'm, I'm a go find the truth, get creative, solve the problem, mega bitch, right? Like, I will just hunt down a new solution. Nurses are. Those people. I mean, I'm not everyone's a mega bitch, but Ah. unapologetically, yeah, creative and solution driven. I feel like nurses are. If I if I have an issue, I'm going to choose a nurse to help me solve a problem over most anyone else or parent. Right? Why? Because we find solutions. We get the job done. We figure it out, and we're compassionate and person centered in our hearts. I believe we have very strong moral. An ethical guideposts and uh, roadmaps and navigators. Those were quieted when I was being brought up inside the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. I was feeling like this didn't make sense, but I wasn't given any other model or any other creative solution for getting around some things that just didn't make any sense, like. Like, like physician preference over person preference. Mm -hmm. Didn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. Did you have any, did you
1: at your unit have any midwives? Mm -mm. No. Yeah. No, no, no midwives. Um, Teaching hospital became more teaching the longer I was there. So they then like had a medical school by the time I was five years in, they had like bought part of a medical school. They bought a nursing school. They were wanting to be that um, larger institution. So I've worked with smaller OB groups and I've worked with larger um, kind of teaching facility where you have the the residency hierarchy and then the nursing school hierarchy. But no, no midwives, very, very medical model, very rural uh, medical model. Yeah. One there way to are. do
0: business,
1: one way to do business. And it is a uh, hierarchical in all of the ways that our society is and kind of mirrors the worst parts, in my opinion, where yeah, it's gendered and it's um, racist. And it's yeah. just pater- paternalistic, just top-down Um, I thought I was going in and I was going to be part of this team. I thought, you know, I, I was a patient advocate, all these things that we, we hear as nurses. And I was like, hell yeah, I want to do that. Yes. Yes. I love the connection. Like I got to be so close with my patients, just wearing scrubs and saying, I'm a nurse. They just tell you things and you get to be with them during this transformation. But then it felt like I had to be a different kind of person when I was supporting physician preference or supporting, you know, someone would come down on me on policy and, and threaten me, threaten my license, threaten my job, threaten my job security, or just the bullying within that culture Mm -hmm. among nurses and among the staff. So yeah, I was slowly seeing it affect how I was giving care and affect, you know, I felt so limited and so confused by the evidence that was out there versus what we were actually doing. And and then like the words that were in policy and procedure and the words that were on the website, but then what we were actually doing when we were alone at the bedside and what we were told when we were alone in the hallway one-to-one and what we were told in staff meetings, like we were, we were told Avoiding unnecessary cesarean, reduce our cesarean rate, blah, blah, blah. And then in staff meetings, we were told, okay, so we've budgeted this many C-sections. And then we actually had three additional over budget. So yay, that's great. And I'm like, I don't know what this, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. I, it was just kind of like these slow, progressive like additions into my bank of this does not match up. Mm-hmm. And as I grew and um, had my children, I had my children there. I had two babies at that place with my colleagues. And that was really the transformative. I went through my own transformation and I thought I knew shit. I was a nurse. Right. And I worked there. I had mm-hmm. so much privilege. I'm white. I mean, um, I, cisgendered heterosexual relationship I had partner with me I had support I worked with these folks I had so much privilege and that experience was very eye-opening and I remember when I went back postpartum amid you know pumping and depression and all those feelings during that transition I would look at my patients and I would look at other people's patients who are like wheeled down the hall down to postpartum Mm -hmm. and I would just wonder is this did we take the light out of this experience for you Mm -hmm. yeah and like ooh, nurses aren't supposed to be doing that right and then we think of ourselves Mm -hmm. as like Protectors, advocates, saviors—the whole white saviorism mm-hmm. piece of medicine. So it was confusing because I didn't know very much uh, about the solution, but I knew there was so much very wrong with what I was part of. Did so? Would you say you had a vocabulary for it to describe no. it?
0: No, no. Yeah, isn't exactly. that fascinating?
1: I didn't have coercion, mistreatment, abuse, obstetric violence. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any of the vocabulary for white supremacy, for white saviorism, uh, systemic racism. None of that. I mean, I knew words, but those didn't apply to me. I'm a good person. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then when I realized they all applied to me. (laughs)
0: So when was that? Like, was that, how yeah. how long ago was that?
1: Oh, it was 2017, 2018, 20, no, no, I lied. My kids are older than that. 2015, we'll say.
0: 2015.
1: 2015, I came to, I have to leave. I can't mm-hmm. do this anymore. I'm done. I'm hurting people. I didn't mean to be hurting people. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm just going to take myself out of the equation. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. 2015. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I was like selling shit to the neighbors since oh, I really? walk over next to You're door one of and- those. You're yeah. like
0: lemonade stand this Saturday. Beach- oh yeah. Bracelet making stand this Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I
1: babysat, I hustled, <laughs> I nannied, I dog sat, I made these like, uh, snakes that you put on your door as draft dodgers and you fill them with cat litter sold those puppies for like 25 bucks. That's impressive. sewed them on my mom's sewing machine. Yeah, I saved everyone their energy bills in like 1996, 1997. They were down. Yeah, you're know, like please. I'm
0: going to take I'm going to take full responsibility for my <laughs> contribution there, which is yeah,
1: yeah helping they people little, save
0: money on their, <laughs> on their
1: I utility. did $20 here and you could save because your garage door doesn't blow cold air in. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Googly eyes, a little tongue. I've been thinking that way forever. My parents are entrepreneurs and kind of grew up in that world. So, but I was like, what am I going to do? Open a hospital? Like, that's where people have babies. I'm a labor and delivery nurse. I help people through birth. We did not have certified nurse midwives where I am. We do not have our out of hospital birth setting is sparse mm-hmm. and i had been so hurt by all of the transfers mm-hmm. right so I was oh I was yeah Ter- yeah so biased <laughs> so oh, much yeah. trauma right oh, yeah. I was like who do I believe that's dangerous oh yeah <laughs> I'll I I I
0: I completely understand I I think for I, you're you're not alone, and I think that's a story that's repeated for mm-hmm. so many of us, which is that you see, you hear a story, you witness it, and you think it's the story, and you know there's mm-hmm. no room for interpretation of all the other possible outcomes of why it happened and why it could have happened, and um, you know, yeah. and you have a culture that perpetuates right, yeah. like that story is bad, and I get it. Oh,
1: to like a, I mean, they're like on. Un- undercover marketing skills for out-of-hospital bad birth oh fantastic on
0: it's on point it's on fire
1: everybody hears about that oh. bad outcome everybody here for like weeks we talk about oh why'd they even come here blah 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 the most harmful mm-hmm. you just hear it, hear it and hear it and hear it my our poor growing brains like what yeah I need to well, wake up. Did
0: I I have a question actually about that? I, I and when I was a new nurse in labor and delivery, I'll never forget I had switched from rotating shift to night shift. And I was like, at least I'll get some something consistent, you know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that I would love night shift and I would love the camaraderie and the team, mm-hmm. you know, environment. I had some wonderful nurses senior to me who trained me and they were f- phenomenal. And, but I'll never forget the first home birth transfer we had Mm. who came in and I'll, I I will not forget we were standing there waiting for her. And the vibe was this, it was this us versus them. Mm. And I, and I remember at that point, I think I had at that time, um, maybe just applied to midwifery school, or I had to get a year's worth of labor and delivery under my belt before I could apply. And I was within that year, but I knew I was going to midwifery school. Mm. And I remember feeling this sense of it's us versus them. And I'm not on the right side of where I want to be because I'm, I'm in this model where we don't have midwives here. And we're clearly talking about that midwife and that patient who labored at home too long. And this train wreck that's coming in. And I'll never forget when this gal came in, this, this woman came in, she was on the stretcher. She had this tie-dye um, it just it, she had this like tie dye towel around her, <laughs> this baby, uh, she, and she was still pregnant at that time. And I think she had got, maybe she was, a um, like a long second stage. And so, yeah. uh, and so she came in, the midwife was there, the doula was there mm-hmm. and I have never, and I, I'm sitting there thinking like, it's a midwife and a doula, like, uh, like how amazing, you know, I'm going to like meet, I've not, don't even know any midwives in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. And it was just um it was like they the it was this just this is us versus them. And I was and I I remember so vividly thinking, oh fuck, I'm not on the right side of this equation like right now. And this feels terrible with the, you know, inside the gal birth, this baby came out. I think she had been ruptured for, I don't know, maybe like a day or two at some point, which everybody was up in arms about in general, yeah. like, oh my God.
1: Uh, and
0: when will they learn, when will they <laughs> learn, you know, these, these people, these people you know, and those people. Uh, the, right. And, uh, and this othering, and it was like, uh, and so this baby came out, it was now to its credit, it, it must've been swimming in Mac for like mm. days. It was stained. I mean, the skin was stained. Stained. I'll never forget thinking, I have never witnessed a baby that came out with like a stain, like mm-hmm. a tint to its skin because it's been swimming in mech for so long, but it was. And all, and and she was adamant, the, the patient was adamant and the doula was there and the doula was adamant that they were to have skin to skin. And I remember my one colleague coming around and my one colleague was trying to keep it together because she wanted so desperately yeah. to take that baby, yeah. to give it a bath. put it under the warmer and to make things right in her mind. Like this is the way we do things and this is the right way. I could
1: never hold a poopy baby. I could
0: never. No, we could never. And I'll I'll never forget. We walked out of the room. They were like, that's so disgusting disgusting, that that woman, that woman would uh, like not want to bathe her baby. And she was very clear. She said, there's no bath to be given to this baby for at least the first 24 hours, because this baby is going to be on me. And I don't give a fuck about what I, I, looking back at it, I think, wow, they had like this gal, she, she had a support team around Mm -hmm. her Mm -hmm. and they weren't budging and Mm -hmm. God bless them because they were like good for them. They knew what they wanted and they didn't give a fuck about what anybody thought about Mm -hmm. it. It's and the I will, only
1: way, yes, if you want to do something that is not what everyone thinks you should be doing the only way and safest way for you. It, yeah. You have to have a team. You almost have to have a team that it's wrong. It's barbaric but, but, or, it's or you've got to be,
0: or you have, yes, exactly. Because it's so privileged. Like who can yes. actually afford a team? Exactly. And then, and then I think too, it's like this idea of, you know, um, you've got to be, if you don't have that team, you have to be ironclad, ironclad in your, in your mind and your frame of mind to say, right, no one's touching this baby. The right's time. I don't give a fuck what anybody mm. says. I will mm. never make any of this mean anything about me. I know what's mm-hmm. best for me. Know what's best for my baby. And I'll be damned if anybody's going to come in the mm. middle of it.
1: Right. Like, you to like rip my
0: baby out of my arms. Right. Right. And I just, and I remember almost being like an observer of the situation thinking, wow, this is fascinating because there is just a, and we talked about it for, oh my God, uh, you know, days and months. And, and that was my first experience with working with a, um, a, what I would call a non-traditional like birthing experience. It came into a, a very heavily medicalized um, hospital model. and I I it, it left such a memory. and I remember at that da- time too. I had not sh- t- told many people that I was going to midwifery school or that I was applying. There was one other gal who was uh who still is a friend to this day and she ended up being a mentor to me, trained me as a nurse and did was a midwife, uh, graduated a few years before me, ended up training me as a student in my midwifery clinicals. But I'll never forget thinking, You know, not everybody needs to know I'm going to go to midwifery school Mm -hmm. like that. Like I don't, and I remember like hiding that piece Mm -hmm. of me initially, thinking I don't. You know, maybe this isn't
1: quite the best. (laughs) Like you knew it was not safe. Yeah, exactly. Right, you had seen how people were treated.
0: Yeah, so I thought I'll just, you know, uh, I'll just. It's not a need to know. It's on a need to know Mm -hmm. basis. And then I, I, so there, and there were so many stories like that, you know, of Mm -hmm. uh, just surrounding kind of this othering experience of like, it's them, you know, they're the problem. They're the, they're the issue, right? The patients are the issue Mm -hmm. and, and, oh, and thinking like, like you, like just doesn't seem right. But I too did not have a vocabulary for understanding um, misogyny and, and racism. And I didn't have a vocabulary at that time for. Uh, White saviorism and and the same kind of stuff, but it was so prevalent. And I just I remember thinking like something is just not right. What is it?
1: Yeah. So then it goes even deeper and harder, which I'm sure your body knew and your subconscious knew that. Then saying those things, um, I'm going to be a midwife. I align with, you know, birth is normal, birth is healthy. I align with person centered care. I align with human rights in childbirth, Mm -hmm. then it is used and weaponized against you. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so then the nurses, the the providers, anyone who comes in who, oh, I took a doula training or, oh, I like, I became childbirth educator after that. I was like, parents need to know what's up. I had no idea. Nurses don't even take childbirth ed. I learned so much in my childbirth ed training. And I loved that. Um, the connections that I made to all of the, you know, all of the misinformation, honestly, mm-hmm. of what's out there, what nurses bring in as normal, what, how powerful the culture is, the consumer culture is to the medical culture and how many things we say that just are not true and used and weaponized, used to manipulate. Then that's like the only way, it seems, the only culture inside of healthcare. So then even when one of them, turns. And I was doing childbirth ed. And then all of a sudden it became, uh, what are you telling these people? And I was like doing something wrong yep. because all of the students would then, oh my gosh, is Mandy here? I heard she works here and she was our childbirth educator. Oh, yep. you know, maybe I was there. Maybe I wasn't. So now they knew that I we were associated. And then if, you know, they were like, oh, I don't want an episiotomy. I learned about that. Mandy said, Right. I don't need to birth on my back. That's right. They're like, That's shit. Right. She told us you guys had two tubs. Can we have a room with one of those? Mandy said God, you have the birthing it.
0: ball. Where's the, is the birthing ball, the ball Can I have one? Yeah. Do you have
1: another size peanut ball? I heard, um, I heard there are different we didn't do a tour, ball. but she showed us pictures. <laughs> like, God damn it. And I'm like, what? It's honest. Like you, anyone, I would yeah. invite all nurses to my class. It is open. I am not yeah. afraid. Then I started doing it online because I'm like, I have hit a nerve. This is uncomfortable. Yeah. And this shouldn't be uncomfortable. We should be okay with this. Because you know what then happens when I was listening to your story is those, those stories, those people, those problems created in the home, created out of the hospital, quote unquote, um, we only saw the bad stuff, right? You only saw mm. the transfers. Not yes. bad. Transfers aren't bad. They actually don't nope. have to be bad. They can be incredibly beautiful. Yep. I have been part of them. They can be healing. They can be, oh my gosh, you're having a baby. Safe, right? They can be yep. great. And we utilize the system for what it's best at, right? On Oftentimes, you know, you need pain relief. You need a surgery. You need extra help. Everyone's tired. It's been four days. Let's do it. And- those problems that other people create out of the hospital, those stories everywhere. They're published in the hospital newspaper, essentially. Like the, the, have you heard? I was like, yeah, I was there. It's been two weeks. Like we, There's yeah. been like 87 shifts since then. Who, why are we still talking about this? And then anything that happens inside, did you hear so-and-so? Did you hear how it happened to so-and-so? Secret. Someone had a bad outcome? Secret. Now, mm-hmm. nurses would support each other right? Hey, did you hear about this? No. What do you need? Oh my gosh. Are you all right? Do you want me to take that patient in that same room? Right? What do we need to do? What did you do? What do you think should have been done? What We, we can do that, but it's not in the hospital newspaper. Oh yeah. No. It doesn't make it to report day after day after day. It's always like, Shh. so hospitals do create all these problems. They do over-medicalize. It's part of obstetric violence it's one of the pillars of obstetric violence is over medicalization and, um, goes against all of our professional organizations, recommendations for lower intervention, equals safer birth, um, less risk, lower morbidity, lower mortality. Yet we still do all of these like routine interventions and we still get bad outcomes, but it's never inside. It's never connected. Mm -hmm. So then it was always, you know, connected to me and I got the brunt of it as doing childbirth ed and i started teaching about peanut balls like oh my gosh this easy thing we got a new manager i was like can i have a tiny budget and get a bunch of peanut balls let's do this nurses would come to me i'd be in all the rooms it was great like let's let's learn these things we started learning about spitting babies we started doing yeah. nurse-led interventions and changing the culture took a lot of nurses and it took a lot of education
0: yeah it's grassroots. It took a lot of it's like mm-hmm. from the ground up.
1: Yeah, I think it's just one direction, mm-hmm. one direction. And we were at the bedside. So like if the patients and when when birthing families came in and they were like, hey, I saw your YouTube video because then I wasn't teaching childbirth ed anymore. I was getting like canceled classes and things like that. I'm like, OK, I get it. I'll just go online. So I started teaching online. They'd pull up my YouTube video and show their nurse. I'm like, okay, well, that's not exactly what I thought would happen. But uh, here we are. And they would be like, help me with this. So the nurses would be like, I think you should take this patient. Well, when there's three patients on the floor, and they're all asking for peanut balls with my YouTube video. I'm not going to be able to take all of them. We're going to just have to learn it. Mm -hmm. And then the older nurses were like, oh, my gosh, this this awesome thing happened, Bandy. I use your trick. I was like, you hate my guts. And you huffed and puffed my whole staff meeting. And they're like, yeah, but a baby came out in two hours. Yeah. And I got that. It worked. And it worked. It worked. And she was so grateful. Yep. Because we all want those things. We all want the patient to have this memorable, we don't want credit, but no, we want to be transformative in the process. And we should take credit for some things that we do. We should because we're tired of being like blacklisted when we say the patient doesn't want that. They want two more hours. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, because you told her to have two more. No, I didn't tell her to have two more hours. And it's, even if I did, why is it a problem? Right, right. Right. I told her option. I told them all the options and they chose this. Why'd you tell them all that? Because it's my ethical responsibility as a nurse. Everything I know, they should know. And if they're asking and they're open to it, I give it to them. And if I don't know, we look it up on the computer. <laughs> like, we can we do that. search this. it up. Yeah. We search it up. So things were changing and I, yeah, things were changing in that unit. And so I decided, uh, you know, spoiler, I stayed and decided to make a big change. I was calling it a revolution. I was calling it like monstrous, monstrous isn't the right word, but meaningful, big changes. And it wasn't just going to be me. It was going to be we're tired of being, nurses We're tired of being hurt by bad outcomes that we could almost see past. Mm-hmm. And now I know that's moral injury. And we see a lot, a lot of data has come out from COVID on that. And we were seeing, we've been seeing that forever since l nurses have been at the bedside in healthcare and healthcare was moved or uh, perinatal care was moved from the homes and moved out of the communities. Nurses have been hurt by it. And we think that we're, we have this role and then we think we're so powerless. And we're being told that we're powerless and we're being made to feel that way. So I ultimately left. Um, I was being mistreated in more ways than I was willing to work through. And Mm -hmm. it was unhealthy for me. There was no way for me to work on my trauma that I was experiencing inside that system while being continuously traumatized. I'll never forget on purpose the last birth that I attended as a labor and delivery nurse. It was great. It was so great. That powerful, powerful person. Oh, my gosh. And the whole time that baby was being born, well, the whole time this that second stage, call everyone in the room. They were telling me, you need to push her leg back. You need to hold her leg. And I said, I can't. I can't because I think there was a language barrier. I think there was a way that I could not get consent to touch her body in that way. Like, she's busy <laughs> she's distracted she's doing work i'm not gonna interrupt her yeah. uh i don't need to i can't give her a reason why i want to i'm and i'm just not gonna do that and they were like you need to hold her leg you need to push her leg back so this baby can come out the whole time this resident was saying push her leg go ahead and push her leg back i can't i can't do that i'm not gonna do that i'm i'm i'm, I'm literally not gonna do that you can stop asking and she had her baby and she did great, and I was right there with her in her face, you know, with the like, you got it, you're strong, you got it, everything's fine, you got it. And everyone else is like running around, like like we didn't expect her to have a baby that day. <laughs> Isn't that it? We're like, yeah, shocked. And then now there's two oh! people in the room. Yeah, we only had one patient for a minute, and now uh, there's two. What? It's just mm-hmm. like, what happened? You just dropped a baby? No, we've been working on this for um ten hours. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So just so funny, but I couldn't. I couldn't do good work there anymore. I couldn't do good work in the community while I was there and I couldn't do. Well, wait a minute. You
0: did a lot, but hold on a second. Don't sell yourself short on that story. You did a lot just by being present, just by bucking the trend, just by asking questions, being curious, saying no, using evidence, using consent. You did a ton of good. The question is never not, I couldn't do good. You did good every moment that you Mm -hmm. stepped in there. The, 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 The issue very often is that I made a choice. I declined to participate in a system that perpetuates obstetric violence and I found another way to influence it. And for me, that was being outside of it. I made a choice.
1: Yes, you're right. I couldn't is the wrong word. I chose yeah. not to. Yeah. I made a choice. I, I, uh-huh. I made a choice that no longer served me. It, it no longer served me way beyond. Like I should have yeah. left earlier. I had the feeling that I was stuck. I couldn't. There were so many other barriers. I needed the money. I needed this, like, security. Yeah. I had to trust myself. And I was being told not to. I was being yeah. told the hospital needed me. My patients needed me. The team needed me. I was being told I could do these other things if I stayed, which, you know, I'd been there 11 years. Like, I could have done those any other time. And it they pop up when they're going to lose a senior nurse and a nurse educator. But yeah, I did. I made the choice to make waves in a different way. Yeah. Juice isn't worth the squeeze. Mm -mm, No. At some point, you know, it was so scary. Super scary. I hated it. I hated it. I hated all of it. I gave him 30 days and like on day 28, the manager comes up in the hallway hey she had never acknowledged my 30 days never acknowledged any she stopped talking to me she wouldn't look at me in the hallway Mm -hmm. i was mistreated worse during those 30 like why did i give them 30 days and she was like hey we want you to um just stay i would love to offer you to just stay on because i was already like flex or part-time or something Mm -hmm. to just stay on to do the education portion i she sat in my class to like audit my class that i was teaching the nurses great it's fine you should do diligence she didn't say anything she didn't listen she sat in the back she drained my energy <laughs> and then at day 28 she was like we'd like to keep you on to teach that we'd like every nurse to go through i was like i know you would do that's a damn good class um i don't think you can afford my my rates no, 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 you would stay, you would stay on mm-hmm. part time. I said, you can't afford me. Mm. No, I'm a, Good I'm for a you. independent contractor. That won't work for you. She's like, oh, okay. Then that was it. That was that. Yeah, it sucked. And I say that because it's, it's, it felt like leaving an abusive relationship but all of those relationships are abusive. Most all.
0: Yeah. And it's familiar and it's what you know. And of course, mm-hmm. it is. It's hard. I mean, it's it like
1: love bombing, you know, oh, you ha- you get an award. You get to teach a class. You get to yeah. do this. Oh, we heard you for the last five years and we'd like to give you this thing. Yeah. And then talking trash at the Desk behind your back, and that—that's abusive. Like you don't know who you can trust. Yeah, it perpetuates violence. It's harmful. It's these cycles that are overlapping. It's toxic. Yes, it's
0: so toxic. I mean, you right, and i its all built off of a. Right, a system that's got to stay in place with a hierarchy and, and it's got to have, you know, and, and control, right? This is power. I mean, it's a, I, I think at the end of the day, it always comes down to power and, and who's in the majority and who's in the minority, and making sure that those in the minority don't recognize their power so that they mm-hmm. can't, they feel disempowered and victimized so much that they don't rise up against the majority. I mean, it's a typical, you know, and you see it play out in all sorts of systems, but it's very often, right? My majority and minority and power struggles and Mm -hmm. power dynamics. Um,
1: The loudest they would get is when I was teaching patients to make their own choices. Like everything's an option. They would be like, well, what about this? Can I do everything's an option? everything Mm -hmm. go forth and know everything's an option. But what about policy? Optional. Mm-hmm. But what about yeah. like, laws and, are optional? And think about how detrimental that is to
0: be in the majority and have people so, all, of a, all of a sudden understand their risk. rights.
1: Yeah, the risk of and if it they is, don't know how to mm. handle that, someone else takes that option, then it can feel very threatening. Absolutely,
0: very yeah. and and truly, right? Like a majority and can't stay in power if it has a minority that is educated, that is uh, that is uh, armed with information that mm-hmm. is uh, that is willing, right. And ready to move it. It, it can't, right. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's just power struggles
1: and it's perpetuated and all sorts of systems, all sorts of um, systems. Yeah. They're yeah. just so good at it in healthcare. Yeah. So then when I was leaving and I was like, I'm going to use this somewhere else. I'm going to, I'm going to go off on my own. I didn't even tell them what I was going to do. They're like, where are you going to work? What are they paying yeah. you? I said, you can't even imagine. <laughs> they would get louder. They got louder, 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 louder. I said, this must be a good sign. Yeah. Because I don't want to be present. I don't want to represent this. So if they don't like what I'm representing, then it probably is not this, which is my goal. Yeah.
0: Good for you. Mm -hmm. And then you went on and built an an enterprise.
1: An enterprise. I did. I built an enterprise and am building. Who knows what I'm doing? Who knows? It's all just, I'd say it's all a test. Yeah, so, it's all a it test, but yeah, I am still representing patients and nurses.
0: Tell us then what what is your business? Um, you said it's a platform, there's education for patients and for nurses, but what so what do you do? What are your what do you create
1: right now? I create trauma-informed programs to completely change the culture inside of healthcare to patient-centered, person-centered, trauma-informed care because trauma informed care is pro nurse.
0: Trauma informed care is pro nurse. Mhm. So yes,
1: very much right? so. I would agree with you. Yes. When we understand the containers of trauma and the containers that we all hold in and around trauma, we are respecting the individuals in the birth space those individuals include obstetricians midwives nurses family members patients doulas and any other support people mm-hmm. and everyone brings a story mm-hmm. when i was a teenager i went on this trip um across i think it was 20 it was 23 days and we hit like 23 states or something like that and i was in high school so growing brain we started in north carolina I just moved to Virginia. I couldn't understand anybody's Southern accent. I had no idea why they were talking like that. I thought it was just like in the movies. I was sheltered from Kansas and went on this trip with strangers and we went camping every day, mostly without a tent. So whatever that's cowboy camping and went to all these like um, stops like the arch, the Grand Canyon. We did all these exploring nature and learning about the beauty of our country while we're 16, 17 year olds learning how to like cook for each other, take care of our van space, things like that. And one of the biggest, one of the biggest lessons that I took from that was learning outside of myself. So in that time in our development, we're very much like toddlers. I have two young children. They're very egocentric. And I have to remember that. Like, yes, yeah. I know your world revolves around you, but I am peeing. So I will get your snack after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And even as a teenager, we're very much like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know. We know everything, but we don't know what we don't know. And I learned the takeaway was everybody has a mountain to climb. And here I was, there was a song. And I was like, oh, that's really, that's really hitting me. I thought I had this big sob story about my life. And I did. I had been through some stuff. I was 16, 17. And I, you know, been through some stuff. But everybody else had too, And I was hearing all of their Stories, and we got really, really close to these strangers. They became best friends. They were telling all about what was going on and injuries they'd had, and hardships they'd had, and family struggles they'd had. And I was like, Oh my God, that's hard. Oh my God, that other story is hard too. Oh, I could never imagine. And I just took it and was like, You're right. I don't know anything about other people. And they have had a big mountain to climb. And I think about that with trauma. I don't know if you have trauma. If you acknowledge that you have it, if you've been through hard shit, but I bet you have. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter. I'm not a therapist. I don't diagnose trauma. I know I've been through hard shit. I work on my own trauma therapy, body movement, learning, holistic peer counseling, all kinds of things that I've been able to make space for and be brave about after leaving the hospital and share with my family and Makes me a better parent and all those things. Thank you, TikTok. Love that. Mm -hmm. Things I didn't know I needed to know. And (laughs) patients, other nurses, obstetricians, they all come with that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're, we have a program. Um, I still work with parents a little bit, not very much, mostly one on one. Um, I work with the consumers who, uh, parents who find me are, Either they've had traumatic experiences in the past, possibly, um, you know, the worst kind that you can imagine, imagine yep. the worst kind they've had that it's coming back up in their pregnancy. And they're like, mm-hmm. Nope, that shit's in a box. I did therapy for 15 years on that. I am yeah. 38 years old and fine. I own two businesses. I have been married. I own three homes. Like I am successful. I'm a boss. I am fine. And they're pregnant. And they're like, no, 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 no. The bad dreams, the all these things. Yeah, the box starts open. Yeah, all the box starts open. I'm feeling all this anxiety, and they're put in a place of disempowerment in, um, in their pregnancy and in that healthcare setting, and so that is coming. And you know, their onion layers are opening as as birth pregnancy physiology is. We kind of open that vulnerability space to let in this new person, create a life that is safe for them. So. It's all very normal, but it's terrifying and can be re-traumatizing or very traumatic during their birth, which they are feeling is important. (laughs) They're not quite sure Mm -hmm. what that is going to look like. So I help them navigate how to make a space that is safe for you. What are the tools that you already do in your regular life that are protective for you? And you find um, safety within those safety and control and trust is what we're working on. And they're like, everyone's a stranger. How do we do that? I don't want to tell them all this stuff feels impossible, but, um, we can kind of come up with a strategic birth planning around that specific Mm -hmm. person and their support. And it's very fulfilling. And on the other side of my work, the bigger side is a trauma informed care program and programming. I've been working as a healthcare consultant, um, work on nursing professional development, and we have the first and only trauma informed care training program for labor and delivery nurses amazing oh yeah so they're able to provide pro nurse care it is what we thought we were going to do in nursing school Mm -hmm. it's learning about advocacy because when you look up what is an advocate what's a patient advocate it's very physician centered still it's very surprise
0: surprise i mean of of course it is Yeah.
1: the words sound okay but then it's still very power dynamic oozing with power dynamics Harmful power dynamics. So nursing is perpetuating the power dynamics that are harming the patients and the families and the births and the babies. And it's radical responsibility, taking radical responsibility for our positionality in the harm that is happening in birth right now Mm -hmm. and taking radical responsibility for changing what we have the power to change. Mm -hmm. And it feels so a lot of things, it feels really good. <laughs> it's amazing. yeah, it feels it feels good. It's the care that we wanted to be practicing. It's person-centered care focusing on autonomy and agency mm-hmm. and human rights. Yeah and it's also challenging because we've caused harm. we've perpetuated harm. Um, we have relied on the healthcare system for a lot of our continuing education. We kind of put ourselves in a place of kind of being manipulated into it and being told there's no other way. well, that in
0: that learning, I think that conditioning runs pretty deep. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just right. It's a and it, it's um I sometimes think that it it's harmful to talk about, um, you know, whether or not we're like on, on manipulation is always really interesting, right? Cause if you get into a toxic system, you don't quite know it's toxic. You can't quite not put your all. finger on it. It's not talked right. about. And you become someone who engages in it. Um, and it, there's always the, the personal component, which is what, you know, what role did I play in this and what do I have amends to make or for what do I have to make amends? And, but also I think the other piece of it is, um, Never shaming ourselves for right for being the people who are in the system right and dwelling in the past and saying yes I assume responsibility for what I've done I'm, I I um, make amends and I create a plan mm-hmm. going forward for what I will do in order to avoid any of the toxicity in order to uh, stop perpetuating obstetric violence in order to support that basic human rights are honored in the setting of labor and birth and, and for all humans who come into uh, healthcare. Right. right? And Each so there, yeah. Yeah. And so it's always an interesting conversation, uh, you know, especially I think as people are navigating that change and, and where they are in the process and it's an
1: awful realization. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it is, it's a, it's a severed identity. It felt like for me. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm a nurse. I am a good person. I help. I improve healthcare. I facilitate wellness. I stood by and watched it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's massive and it's, it's our fault. And at also at times not our fault.
0: Yeah. And I love that you're having a, uh, that you've created a safe space where people can talk about that and really kind of work through it. And then again, always looking forward to say, mm-hmm. all right, I recognize my part. And what am I going to do today? Mm-hmm. What do I do tomorrow? What do I do when faced with when I'm in my system and somebody says, mm-hmm. You know, I don't really give a fuck if the patient wants to eat. The policy says the patients we don't feed the fucking patients. Mm-hmm. And to be the person who stands up and says, "Where's the evidence to support that as an intervention that's actually, you know, backed by any anesthesiologist anywhere,
1: mm-hmm. except right? the ones here, except the, the ones right inside right. the hospital where they do all the shouting, but right, so not in research and build and and I think
0: creating a space for people to. Um, navigate that and to step into becoming that person who says, you know, in my little corner of the world, I, you know, I do my part, right. To um, again, to support basic human rights and labor and birth and for pregnant people. And that's a beautiful, right. That's the, that's the benefit of you start talking about how does change happen. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the idea of, can I, can I influence change and be impactful in the setting of where it is toxic? And yes, I think with enough time, you know, we can do our part in corporate settings and in these places where it feels like there's just the majority is so oppressive and it's, there's so much toxicity. And then I think for some of us, it's always a personal dance of, does that feel fulfilling enough to me? Does it move the needle enough for me? And, and do I want to stay in the system or do I want to, you know, leave the system, create essentially Mm -hmm. a new one and by default start attracting people to it and then become a challenger to, you know, or disruptor to what exists. And that's a really powerful place to be. Both take time. Neither one is easy. Neither one I would say is, uh, you know, uh, they they both take energy. They right? both take right. right. No, and and know. for and I think it just always boils down. But I love the fact that there's a space for you know nurses, especially those of us who are involved in labor and birth and who 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 love it. Right? Who love it? And who came to it yeah. with an inherently very good uh, heart and a and a really clean desire to be you know trans to support the transformation that occurs for you know laboring people. I mean. And, and, and the birth setting and in the care of women, I mean, or in the care of pregnant people, like I, I think it's, you know, it's great to just to have that as a resource because it's not something that exists widely. And as you know, the majority of settings, it's not really supported,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: I want to tell me this and then I I will wrap this up. This has been a lovely conversation to have with you and just getting a better sense of kind of why you do what you do which I think speaks volumes in terms of you know your mission and the way in which you look at the world and your journey of understanding how you can play your part and do mm-hmm. it in a way that feels best and, and integrity for you which I think is amazing. Um I wonder what's your version of living the good life and how does this play into it you know kind of going on your journey of understanding all of these nuances and facets and and taking a, a look at what's my part and what do i want to you know what have i done and what do i want to do going forward
1: hmm. living the good life uh it's it's just what you said it's ha it's being brave Having resources to help because that's what we need. We don't come up with this stuff. You know, we have these inklings and then we hear the language and we're like, oh my God, yes. And then we hear TikTok and we're like spot on. And then we hear someone toxic at work and we're like, that's a no for me, right? We're kind of adding all that in and our awareness is, is opening, becoming aware, being brave to becoming aware of where we can make the best impact within and and like maintain our integrity like you said make make the impact that we want to make that is aligned with our values Mm -hmm. and works for our life and it was not aligned for me to be working all this time and be away from my young babies and not be supported and have this these shifts and mistreatment within my you know colleagues it wasn't worth it when I did the math and, that, and that's what happens when we, when we work with nurses and they become more aware and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going through this process. Yes, you're, yes, you're going through the process. Yes. And on the other side, you will make decisions and choices about how you want to use this information. And that's living the good life is being able to make a decision with all of the information, kind of eyes wide open to what's going on and where do you want to make an impact? yeah, and then there's there's resources out there to be able to do it in the system, outside the system, adjacent to the system, a little dabble here, a little dabble there. That's living the good life is making that leap, making a choice for what? twelve months. I I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for twelve more months. i'm gonna I'm gonna try, or I'm gonna take twelve months away and see what it's like somewhere else., mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think that's living the good life. I think where you can be really. Honest with yourself, yeah, and in alignment, and right? Alignment. You can you can know what you
0: want, right? You can be very connected to, you know, what makes you who you are, and and be aware of uh, what's going on around you, what's influenced you, what's mm-hmm. where your conditioning lies, where your belief mm-hmm. systems are, what you need to, what you desire to retain, and what you desire to blow the fuck up, mm-hmm. and then and then to step into alignment, and then make decisions and choices from a space of Clarity, not Mm -hmm. from a space of resentment, bitterness, judgment, anger, fear, mostly, right? But to make a, a, you know, those moves and to say, yeah, and, and what's in integrity with me is this. I think that's lovely. Good for you. Um. All right, people will be very interested. I think they will want to. They will want to connect with you most likely. Uh, I they like will talk
1: about myself. They're going to be like, well, I don't need to hear your story. So. No, I
0: it's, you know what? But I think, remember there's value in the stories and, 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 especially when I think, you know, you and I, and I, and maybe not correct me if I'm wrong, but we may be people who have these conversations more often. These are conversations I have with my clients on a day-to-day basis. What does it mean to live the good life, right? Like what reconnecting to who you are, using your strengths, becoming aware, creating alignment in your life, making decisions with intention. And so these may be things that we think about and have conversations. And I just want to remind you, this is sometimes very new for a lot of people. There are people who will listen today and who all of a sudden are like, they now have a vocabulary because we've discussed it. We've discussed what happens when we look objectively at the harm that is caused by the systems that are in place. And now they have a vocabulary for it. And maybe they feel prompted to do their own work or, you know, to consider what their mountain is to climb, so to speak. So I I think it's wonderful. Where can they connect with you? If they want to reach out to you or find you or, you know, take a peek at, at um, the birth nurse, where do they, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Um, my website is mandyirby.com, M-A-N-D-Y-I-R-B-Y. And, and I'm on LinkedIn now. I'm like someone on LinkedIn. Well, well, thank God. I mean, it's about time, Mandy. I mean. <laughs> Don't say that. It's not. It's not my living the good life. LinkedIn is a whole different ball game. My living the good life is TikTok. I like TikTok. I'm on there, but We're, yeah. Uh, what what's your handle on
0: TikTok the, so you can find the you? The birth nurse. The birth nurse. Okay, good.
1: Yeah, good. I'm um, yeah, TikTok. But mostly, I mean, LinkedIn. That's where I'm putting all this good, good juicy stuff. Yeah, I can only do one place at a time. It's madness. Yeah, out there. I, LinkedIn. I think's got a great.
0: I mean, for many of us who are in the um in the B2C space, I think mm-hmm. it's a great, even in B2B, It mm-hmm. you know, for both, but it, it's got a lot of utility. And I think for our pr- profession and healthcare too, I think it's, there's a lot of opportunity to connect it, with people in a way that's, you know, different than what you might get on yeah. Instagram and different what you get with what you get on Facebook. And so. I,
1: yeah. I'm loving it. I mean, it's yeah, I'm good. still like intimidated, but I really like it. The connections are real. The information yeah. that I'm getting is really great. Yeah. It yeah, feels good. like we like ain't nobody got time is how yep. it feels on LinkedIn, which I appreciate.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. So go find Mandy at um uh mandyerby.com or go connect with her on LinkedIn or go follow her on TikTok and see little bit more about what she's doing on a day-to-day basis. Cause I know some of you are going to be out there thinking, oh, that's really interesting. Wow. She did all that. Maybe if she did it, maybe I can do it too. And you can. So Manny, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your time and your story and your expertise and um, your experience. I, I really appreciate just how open and vulnerable and um, how willing you are to share and um, and I appreciate just the conversation just from a, you know, a, a entrepreneur to entrepreneur or yeah. nurse to nurse. And I love it. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing all that today.
1: Yes. Thank you for the space. This is great, Anne.
0: All right. We'll see you next time and take care. See you next week. Hey, if you're ready to live the good life, I want to invite you to join Nurses Living the Good Life, my group coaching program for women advanced practice nurses, where you're going to learn how to do good work in the world and do well for yourself using my proven formula, a coach approach. Best part, it's risk fee. You're either going to learn how to create your version of the good life or I'll give you your money back. Just head over to www.nurseslivingthegoodlife.com and we'll see you inside.